You're listening to the Clear Creek Resources Podcast from Clear Creek Community Church, located in the Bay Area of Houston. Welcome everyone to the Clear Creek Resources Podcast. This is Rachel. Thanks so much for listening today. So we're going through a series this summer on the personality type profile, the Enneagram. Our hope is that these conversations help you to not just know yourself, but ultimately lead to deeper relationships with Jesus as we all seek to grow in obedience, community, and mission together. On this episode, I talked with Kendra Bates, one of our gifted worship volunteers and navigators at 528, who's an Enneagram 4, and Mandy Turner, teacher and navigator who's an Enneagram 5. Let's listen. Well, welcome, guys, to the Clear Creek Resources Podcast. Thanks for being here, Mandy and Kendra. We're so glad you're here. Glad we could do it. Thanks for having us. You are both like, I'm pregnant and busy, but (laughs) I've made it. That's how I feel, too. So we're talking about the Enneagram right now, um, this personality type that's not everything, but that we have found is helpful for self-awareness, for growing as we seek to look more like Jesus. So before we go into anything in depth, why don't you guys just tell me how you heard about the Enneagram, what sort of learning about that has looked like for you? I mean, I would say probably... It seems like maybe about three years ago or so, it seemed like it was all over the internet. Like everywhere you looked, yeah. on Instagram or on mm-hmm. blogs I read or whatever, um, it just seemed like everybody was talking about it. Especially, I think, the book, The Road Back to You, got really, really popular. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that just kind of, it just seemed like everybody was doing it. And I wanted, you know, I can't see something everybody else is talking about and not want to know what's going Can on. I know about all of it. So I want to know about it. It may not be any good, but I want to make my own judgment, right? So um, it just seemed like it was kind of everywhere. Yeah, I think it was three years ago for me too, which is weird because it's been around for a, a while. Yeah. So I don't know why it blew up, but I think social media. And then I had a friend who was really passionate <laughs> about figuring out what all of his friends' numbers were. And I was not excited about it because I I was like, well, this is a bandwagon I don't want to jump on. So that was kind of my first reaction to it. So so then what? Did you guys take tests? Did you read about it? Because I know you both know your numbers. So Kendra's are four, Manny's are five, and that's what they're going to talk about today. So how did you figure it out? So I, yeah, I reluctantly took the test. And then I took it two or three more times because um, every time I took it, it was inconclusive. (laughs) I don't know if this has happened for anyone else, but, and I don't remember, it was maybe, there's a few tests out there, so I don't remember which one it was, but I took it and it basically told me that I needed to do more (laughs) self-reflection and figure myself out, which made me kind of not want to do it and and like not like it Mm -hmm. more than I already didn't like it. And I think part of that too was that I was going through a really transitional season. So the answers to the question, my answers to the questions were very all over the place and based on what I was feeling in that time. And so the test didn't work for me. Um, So the way that I found out was that we we read through all of the descriptions and then finally the four just like stuck out. Um, And I was like, oh yeah, that's me. And then it really affirmed why I didn't want to like do the Enneagram in the first place because we'll find out what the four is. Mm -hmm. So (laughs) that's my story. 
Yeah, I would say mine was pretty similar. I mean, my tests weren't always inconclusive, but I didn't really like the answer I was getting. And so I didn't like love it and kept trying to figure out a way I was a different number. And uh, <laughs> what was the answer you were getting? Five. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> just checking. But yeah, I, so I just kind of was like, uh, I, don't, I don't know. I, part of that is that the, the five, and we're going to talk more about what this looks like, but it's kind of like this, oh, this kind of like nerdy person. Um, and I actually, that kind of was a part of, a big part of my identity growing up was, oh, she's the smart kid or whatever. Um, and it kind of made me feel like, oh, there, it's saying that's all there is to me. But there's actually, like, there's more to me than mm-hmm. just that. And so I, I, I kind of felt like it was very narrow. Um, but then as I read more, and especially I like you, I tend to recommend people, like, go read the type descriptions are in a lot yeah. of ways more helpful than taking a test. Um, and when I read more about it, there it, it wasn't like a pigeonhole. There was more to it. It, it wasn't just one thing. So it, mm-hmm. it helped me to kind of understand, okay, that act, there's a reason that was a lot of my identity growing up, and it is just part of who I am. So. Even though it's more than that Absolutely. list that you're looking at. Yeah, I think that's really helpful. That, I mean, that's my journey, too, is I took a test, which was definitely wrong. Um, but and it took doing some, some reading. And I think just for people who are listening, who are like, well, I'm not going and buying an Enneagram book. There's all sorts of websites on the Instagram that have pretty good descriptions that you can mm-hmm. just look at and figure yeah. it out. It doesn't take a ton of time, but I do think it takes like doing a little bit of research before you can really pinpoint it. Because the test, you know, you're answering, like you said, based on your, you know, time of life and what's happening right then sometimes. So yes. I think that's a lot of people's experience. Mm-hmm. Okay, so Mandy, tell me what is a five? So Enneagram five, what does that mean? That's just a number. Yeah, so I mean, I don't. Some people like like they have kind of a, like a name for each type, and some people like them, and some people don't. Um, like it's called like the investigator. Some people call it the sage, which I think is real weird. I've it's never a really heard that weird one. term. I'm just gonna start calling sage, you that. The sage. <laughs> it seems real pretentious to me, but um, you know, the kind of common characteristics would be like. Um, hopefully, like, insightful, cerebral, logical, um, thoughts rather than feelings-oriented. Um, we like to be experts. And if we aren't an expert, we want to find an expert because knowing the right source and the right information makes us feel comfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, to be a sage or find a sage. Right, yeah. We're not usually very people-oriented, um, though not like we hate people. But um, fives, I would say, you know, if there's an overlap between fives and introverts, not all introverts are fives, but probably most fives are introverts, maybe all of them. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just a real strong characteristic that they tend to be um, kind of drained by being around people, especially in kind of chaotic situations or large groups. We like our people generally. That's the way it goes. Mm-hmm. That makes sense to me. My mom and my brother are both fives. So everything that mm-hmm. you're saying sounds like you and them. So what about fours? What's just the basic overview of an Enneagram four? So I feel like four is kind of the opposite of five in a, in a way, which is funny because my husband is a five. Oh, really? Yes. But um, the fours are uh, titled the individualist, but we are very sensitive. We're very introspective. We can be melancholy. Um, and I got this description online, but expressive, dramatic, self-absorbed, and temperamental. That <laughs> sounds awesome. <laughs> but also, at the same time, just very creative, and we desire to have beautiful 
settings and feeling. We're really deep feelers. So, yeah, introspective and sensitive, mm-hmm. I guess. I feel <laughs> like people assume fours are artists. A lot of yeah, or if they you're an can, artist, you're a four. They can be. It's kind of it's a stereotype. Not necessarily, not but yeah. I definitely fit that stereotype. But, yeah, I got a lot growing up like, oh, you're so sensitive. And so that, and I hated that, but it, it makes sense now that I know. Yeah. You know, that I'm a four. That, so. Yeah, and then that's <laughs> just, that really is how you're wired. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so tell me, did, did you say what is, like, the core desire of a five? Did you say that? But okay. I, I alluded to it, I would say. Yeah. But just that I think the, the deepest desire of a five is to, like, to be seen as capable and competent and to be that. And it's not just about other people's perception. They have to believe, like, okay, I actually do know this and I'm capable of accomplishing it. Um, I'm competent to do so. Um, that's why, like, saying or doing something dumb in front of other people is the worst um, because you feel exposed as like a moron, which is like the worst possible thing to be. Um, and so for you, right, exactly <laughs> yeah. for a five, um, like, like that's just such a big part of your identity that you know what's going on and you know what to do, um, that to have that like exposed that you don't, um, is harmful and painful. Mm-hmm. So even though that's actually just life, and none of us know everything and are competent to do everything. So, mm-hmm. And that's part of your growth. Right. Yeah. Right. So that's the core desire and the core fear is? Yeah, the core fear is obviously that the opposite of that, that. that being exposed. Um, there's also a big, a big thing with fives that, um, which I, you know, with the introversion, that there's this fear of giving away all the resources you have. That because being around people and interacting pe- with people, which is just literally life, um, there's no getting away from that. It's, it can be very draining. Um, and so fives tend to kind of hoard their energy and their time and their resources because um, they only have so much. All of us only have so much. And they kind of tend to have less and so they tend to preserve what they have so that they don't have to share it as much. And so that can lead to things like isolation and detachment. Um, but it's also just uh, an awareness, you know. So that I would say that's connected, I think, to those core fears mm-hmm. is that I'm going to be overwhelmed by other people and what they need from me. So information and energy mm-hmm. is like those are two pretty big things for fives. How does that affect you individually? Well, I have five kids, so... <laughs> but you um, did know you were a five when you did that. Right. I, I didn't. I didn't know that. And I don't think I would have done anything differently. No. But it is kind of... So for me, I love my kids. Love them, love them. But it is just realistically, it is draining to be around kids and to be meeting their needs all the time. Um, you know, my oldest is 16, so I've been doing that for 16 years, um, just caring for kids all day long pretty much every day. And that is an energy drain. And so that affects everything else to where when I get to the end of my day, I feel like I have to be by myself Mm -hmm. and I need to be doing something where I can um, kind of be re-energized and it's not being around any other people. Um, At least not anybody who's going to drain more energy, more resources. So um, what does it look like when that happens? You just, you just isolate. Can you... Give me an example, because I'm thinking. About, I'm saying this because I'm thinking about my brother, and uh, he's a five, and we'll be in a in a gathering, and he will just at some point just go, and for a long time we were like, he's just gone. What what happened? Until we realized, oh, he just really is done. 
he doesn't have any more capacity to talk to people and be with people. He his his tank is gone, so he has to just mm-hmm. go. Yeah, I would say that's um, just, you know, an area of growth for me that really having kids probably is the biggest contributor to is that I usually can hang for as long as I need to. You know, I can, I'll be okay, I'm going to make it. But what I notice in myself is that, like, say I'm out with friends till midnight. When I get home, I'll end up being up until 1 because I can't just go to sleep. I actually need to, like decompress. And that may just be scrolling Twitter on my phone. I mean, it doesn't have to be anything special. It's just that time by myself with nobody needing anything mm-hmm. from me. Um, and, you know, that's, that's, that's what I see in myself. Probably the biggest impact it has for me is that I become a person with, who says no to a lot of things because I know how it'll affect me. And so I am a preemptive no person. Um, you know, just this year, um, my daughter's about to start athletics and the athletic director at her school was like, hey, don't you want to be on the booster club board? And I thought, well, I mean, I, I could do that. I would be good at that. I could be helpful. I care about her being in athletics, but no, mm. <laughs> no, because I know, like, I just know I already have five kids in three different schools and all their activities and all the stuff we do other places. And I I tend to preemptively you know, kind of cut off things that I know are going to be draining. Um, and that can be healthy up to an, a certain extent. Um, but I also have to be careful about that. I, I don't want to be saying no to things that I should be doing or that I'm called to or those kinds of things. Um, and not be, I don't want to be selfish with my energy and resources, but I do want to be discerning about how I utilize them. Yeah, that's so helpful. Let me ask you one more question. Um, so you talked about competency too. So how, what, what does that look like for you? Can you give me an example of, you know, when you just, when you feel like competency matters and when that's affected you, you know, cause for some people they're like, I don't like, what do you mean you have to feel competent? I mean, I think I would just say that sometimes I decide not to do something cause I don't think I'll be good at it. Okay. You know, that's yeah. just easier to do it. And if I'm asked to do something that I'm not sure I'm competent to, I'm probably going to spend a lot of time preparing for it so that I can feel competent. Um, even, I mean, like when I come on this podcast, even if it's something that I've talked about a lot and I know stuff about, um, I will feel better if I take the time to remind myself of sources, um, to remind myself of definitions, to give me those resources that I have them. Even if I never look at my notes, um, having done that work, it it impacts how I feel in the moment mm-hmm. if I can be yeah. more, more sure of the information that I'm supposed to have. Yeah, that makes sense. All right, Kendra, let's hear a little bit about fours. So what, what's the four? What does the four look like? Yeah, so the four, it's the individualist, which I talked about a little bit earlier. And our primary desires are to essentially find or create an identity and, and one that feels significant. So, um, you know, we can get wrapped up in that and almost idealize an identity that's not even really there. And then also at the same time, because creativity is a really important part of the four, um, fours like to create and surround themselves um, with beauty. And so that definitely manifests itself in me through like my home. I really like to make sure that my home is a place that I feel is, is, you know, 
pleasing to the eye. And, and then, of course, I started a creative business. And so those are things that I've, I see in my own life that I have sort of found um, that has come through. And then um, with that, Fours really, I think, like to feel inspired by beauty and creativity. And then the opposite of that is the struggles, which is not feeling like we have an identity or feeling insignificant. And then at the same time, feeling like people don't understand um, our emotions or our sensitivities or why we're feeling the things that we're feeling. And so that can cause a four to withdraw and isolate and um, which is interesting because fours don't necessarily desire to be alone. So, like, I can be in a group setting and and really enjoy that I'm in a group setting. But if I feel like I'm not understood or my emotions aren't being seen, then I'll just kind of, like, withdraw in that setting and isolate within people. So that's kind of and interesting because you were talking about mm-hmm. isolation, mm-hmm. but really truly being alone. And I wouldn't say necessarily that fours want to be alone, but can feel alone in groups. Mm. That's so, so helpful. Yeah. And that's, that's something we have talked about before, just with Enneagram in general, just really not assuming someone's motivations. Mm-hmm. So if someone de- is isolated you don't necessarily know why. You mm-hmm. have to seek yeah. to know that person in order to really understand what's going on in their heart. Because for you guys, it's completely different. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You need to be alone, and you feel alone. Yeah. And that's hugely <laughs> different. Yeah. Anything else about fours that yeah, you think is so just important? Something about the identity, too, is that, um, that fours, I think, struggle with self-image. I think we, we can be really wrapped up in self-image. But at the same time, so we have this kind of like idealized identity that's maybe better than it is. But at the same time, I think fours struggle with negativity. So having a negative self-image and that really just plays out the way it sounds, just self-criticism and being, you know, really hard on. I know I'm hard on myself and I'm self-critical. So, yeah. So there's like an idealized self you think you should be. Yes. But you also just feel like you're lacking in that always? Yeah. Oh, that's so hard. Yeah. (laughs) Well, and it seems to me, too, like fours, it's like their idealized self is like to be this extraordinary person. Like it's hard to be ordinary. Yeah, different from anyone else. Unique, which is, again, why like jumping on bandwagons is not like a four thing because you want to be different. You want to be unique. You want to be an individualist. But that's really hard to achieve sometimes. (laughs) So. What does that look like for you? Just with art and your work and your home, it's just in little ways or is it a huge part of how you sort of live your life? I think it is in little ways because eventually I think I come around to, you know, if something is a trend or whatever. But, um, yeah, feeling like I'm not necessarily going with the flow, at least right away. Like I'm not following somebody or something that – you know, someone else is doing, um, I, I, and I can't really explain like why, why that is, but just other than are. just, yeah, that yeah. it's who I am. And, um, cause I wouldn't necessarily say that I'm so different from other people. Um, but I, 
yeah, I like to have things about me that are unique. And I think, yeah, maybe um, having, you know, my own creative business feels unique. But there are also a lot of other people that do that, too. So I don't know. It's just this weird kind of balance. Yeah. I mean, you you just said balance, and that's what I was thinking when you were talking, Mm -hmm. because just in both of your examples with fives and with fours, if you want to be competent, that's a good thing that Manny goes and prepares and wants to be ready for something, but it can also be hard, you know, and same thing with you. Whenever I hear you talking about being different, it is, it's beautiful and it leads to all these really cool things, but it could probably be a struggle too. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. (laughs) Okay. So last week when we talked, um, we walked through our spiritual growth grid here at Clear Creek just a little bit, because that's how we think about spiritual growth in Christ, which, you know, you're talking about identity, identity before activity. So what we're really trying to do here is to know ourselves so that we can become more like Christ um, so that we can be obedient to him and love and serve people and be on mission. So um, I just want to ask you guys when I just want to walk through that a little bit. So when it comes to learning how to listen and obey, so to just be obedient to God, how has understanding some of this stuff helped you in that? Mandy, do you want to start? Sure. I mean, I I think that for me, I think that a lot of female fives kind of struggle with feeling like they aren't what they're expected to be or what they're supposed to be. Um, And I think that's just, you know, guys, it's like more socially acceptable to be like, oh, that absent-minded professor type or that nerdy kid or whatever. But, but. You know, I, I know growing up, I always felt like I was supposed to be more bubbly, more fun, more extroverted. Um, I mean, I remember as a kid getting in trouble once at, this kind of reminds me of your brother, actually, um, at my own birthday party, um, all of my friends were like playing a game or something. I don't even know. And I, my mom found me in my room reading a book. Um, and that like, that was not okay. You know, like that was, that was not okay. That was not what I was supposed to be like. And so... I think for me, like studying the Enneagram and I mean other personalities has just knowing yourself more, mm-hmm. it made me realize like actually like it's okay that like God made me different. Like he made me the way he made me. Um, I'm also made in the image of God. I have my own unique gifts. Um, all these things that can kind of be weaknesses are also it's the same thing that is when it's used correctly, it's a gift. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't, I don't want to use my personality as an excuse, um, like my mom made me let me know, it is rude actually to go leave your guests to go read a book. Um, but learning more about myself made it so that I can instead say, hey, mom, instead of planning a party with 15 friends, spending the night at my house, could I just take two friends out to dinner? I didn't have the maturity to do that when I was eight. Um, but now it's, it's about knowing yourself well. And um, I don't want to be like, well, that's just the way I am. You people have to deal with it. You know, my husband, I don't want to be around you because I've been around the kids all day. That's your problem. No, like it's not It's not an excuse to recognize who I am, but, but I do want to use wisdom and care and honor God the way he made me. Um, and, you know, everybody has, we have to use our own consciences. We have to use our own discernment to recognize what God is calling each of us to, how he calls us to obey him. It's going to look different for different people, mm-hmm. and that's all right, too. Yeah, that's super helpful. What about you? Yeah, so 
The reason I've come to really like the Enneagram is that it tends to focus less on, so like other personality assessments or tests or whatever, the I feel like the big focus is on strengths and behaviors. And so the Enneagram does that, but also really does a good job of explaining the why. So mm-hmm. the motive behind the behavior. Um, and so that that just completely like kind of changed my world. Like, oh, this is why I am the way I am. Um, and because of that, I feel like I'm so much more aware of <laughs> the ways that I need Jesus. Mm-hmm. So as a four, wanting to find or create an identity in something is good if I'm placing it in the right things, but oftentimes we don't do that, right? And so I'll I'll put my identity in something and it will completely blow up in my face. And then I'm like, oh, wait, your identity is supposed to be in the fact that you're a follower of Christ. And so that is really helpful for me because I just feel like it opens up all of the areas in my life where it's like, oh, I need Jesus here and here and here. And I need to be first establishing, because identity is so important to me, I need to first establish it in the right thing. Um, And so I really think that being able to listen and obey and be a follower of Jesus, it requires a certain amount of self-awareness. And I think the Enneagram, not for everybody, Mm -hmm. but at least for me, has helped me do that. Um, and then also, I think we see throughout Scripture a lot, a theme of examining our own hearts. So, for example, um, the psalmist says in Psalm 139, Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. And so this really has helped me examine my heart and, you know, um, understand and realize the why behind my actions and feelings. Um, And I think that in turn helps me listen and obey better. Yeah. So I think that the combination of what both of you guys are saying is just so helpful, you know, because, because you both said a lot, but Mandy, you were talking about how some things you maybe thought worsen aren't necessarily, they're just how you were created, but Mm -hmm. the culture is telling you it's not okay. And so to recognize this is how God built me, and there's ways to to be obedient in that space, but it's not necessarily bad, is, is I think, a good gift to, of self-awareness. And then you're talking about really being humble and seeking to know what are the sin patterns in our life that are unique to us as we seek to listen and obey. Because we have to have mm-hmm. both of those things, which I think is something we can get from assessments like this. I think that's really helpful. Yeah. What about um, relationally? So... As we seek to um, love and serve within our church, our family that we're supposed to love and serve all the time, and even just the people around us, how how has this helped you to do that better, or has it? Oh, I mean, for sure. I I think being aware of my own challenges allows me to bring them to Jesus. Because um, mm-hmm. I mean. You know, we're talking about how, oh, this makes me feel drained, so I retreat. Well, that's not always possible. Um, you know, I've I've had five babies. That baby wakes up all night long. Um, it's draining physically um, on top of just emotionally being an introvert and being drained by being around anybody, even if it's a newborn. Um, it's, it's tiring. And um, there's not always the opportunity to 
be re-energized when I want to be. Um, and, and Jesus is there in that. Um, and even when I'm weak, he's strong his, cause his grace is sufficient, right? Um, he, he can sustain me. And so I can being aware that I have that need and that that's what's at the root of how I'm feeling. Cause a lot of times, you know, we have these feelings, Oh, I feel so overwhelmed, but I don't even know why, mm-hmm. um, learning something about why I'm at the place I am means that I can more clearly just bring that to Jesus and, and ask him for help. But I think too, that recognizing that like he gives me grace and knowing myself and he knows me and loves me. It's like, then I probably need to extend that grace to other people. And I know that for me, learning about the Enneagram has um, just made me more appreciative of people who are different. Um, you know, my husband, Josh, and I, we are like the epitome of like opposites attract. We are nothing alike at all. Um, and so, you know, it's it's really good for me to be reminded that, um, you know, I, there's, there were so many things that I admire in him because those are my weaknesses. And yet those can become like points of conflict um, mm-hmm. because we're very different. But the Enneagram can remind me that just because it's different doesn't mean it's bad. Um, it's fine that he thinks it's differently than I do. It would be really boring if we all thought the same way. So um, just the Enneagram helps me to give grace to other people that aren't that aren't just like me. Yeah, that's, I think that is so important because what can happen with any personality assessment test, because we're reading about ourselves. And if you ask most people, they know, right? They know the most about their number. But if we use it as a tool to love and serve and honor God, then it can be used for that. So it really just depends on your heart and your end goal behind it. It doesn't have to be selfish. It can just be a way to be conformed and love people better. Well, and for sure, I mean, connected to what Kendra said a minute ago, it's it's not just me recognizing that his behaviors are different than mine, but that, like, he has different motivations than mm-hmm. I do. Like, and he has a different emotional response to a choice or a decision where, I mean, he sometimes, like, makes, like, it's such a clear, obvious choice to him, and it feels like I could never have even considered, like, it never would have crossed my mind. And yet, like, that like he is coming from a different place. His motivations are different. His desires are different. And that's like, that's okay. Mm-hmm. It's good that we have these differences. Um, but it's not just those behavioral outward things that if I could just fix those, he would think just like me. No, like we're actually like coming from different places and, and we can come together. Mm. But you can dress. Yeah, I would say my answer is definitely similar in just knowing exactly what makes me tick helps me relate to other people but also like what you were saying knowing maybe the motivation behind why someone else is doing something um, is really important so I guess that means that maybe we all do a better job of knowing all of the numbers I don't really know but I think that it can be helpful because everybody deals with conflict and I think about conflict first because there's just always conflict in relationship. Like you can't, you can't get away from it, especially in marriage and especially in the church too. Um, and so knowing not only myself, but knowing how others operate is just such a way to help find conflict resolution. Um, and then, like you said, knowing that people are different allows us to give grace So I think that's super helpful. And then for me, too, 
if I have an issue with someone thinking maybe this is maybe this has more to do with me and the motivation behind my behavior and the way that I react to things than it is even about the person and why I'm upset with them. Mm-hmm. So that could be really helpful in conflict yeah, that's resolution. Yeah, so, um, that's very biblical. Mm-hmm. You know, whenever you guys were talking about conflict and marriage, it also made me think because about honesty and confession and relationships too, because um, part of that is being honest with your spouse or whoever is in front of you that you're in conflict with. Well, this is actually my problem and what I'm struggling with. And I think before I really did anything with self-awareness, I just was in conflict. And I think it enables me to be honest in conflict. Hey, this is really what I'm struggling with. Mm Because before I was assuming they knew, I was assuming that I knew what they were struggling with. And I was also assuming they should know what my struggle was. Mm -hmm. So it just helps with confession too and honesty Mm -hmm. with our own hearts for other people. So other people can love and serve us just as better, you know, just as well. Yeah. For me, that's been like that. Yeah. So what about missionally for you guys? We want to be on mission. We want to go. And a lot of times with Enneagram, we talk about our struggles, but we also have strengths that each number, each type of person, and there's individual ones or spiritual gifts, but just as far as your personality goes, how God wired you, what are your strengths and how has that affected you in your ministry? Because you guys both have really different ministries too. Yeah. Um, you know, at, at church, I do a lot of random stuff, but they're not necessarily the ways most people would, would do stuff, I guess. Um, you know, I, I love teaching classes. You do a lot of random stuff. No. <laughs> I do feel like I do. Um, I, you know, I teach classes and I love that because I love knowledge and I love understanding and I like sharing that with other people. I think I'm good at sharing that with other people generally. And so if you give me a chance to do that, I'll probably say yes, you know, um, Writing articles can be kind of the same thing. It's communicating knowledge that I have. Um, I edit the devoted curriculum, which I think even if people who like like write, like the idea of writing something like that, they probably don't want to be like deciding no, on subject don't. verb agreement <laughs> or you know correcting your participles or whatever. But no it's thanks. like it's like perfect <laughs> for me. Um, I love doing it. I really enjoy it. Um, and so just. Again, being reminded that like my, the things I do don't have to look like everybody else's, mm. and I can be like I'm so grateful that we have people who will like go to Creek Kids Camp with a cabin full of ten year olds for five days, like and and love it. Mm-hmm. Um, I, that would not work for me very well. I have, my ten year old went to Creek Kids Camp. I'm sure it was great. Um, but we we all have different spots, mm-hmm. and we need everybody. Everybody's necessary. Yeah, so I've always been creative and especially involved in music. Um, And so the majority of how I've served in the church has been through worship, leading, um, and in more recent years, photography and things of that nature, and then outside of the church, starting my own business. Um, And for a long time, I really struggled with feeling like is this me just doing what's easy, what comes natural? Like, am I taking the easy way out mm-hmm. um, by just always serving in worship arts or always doing artsy or creative things? Um, and and then with my business, like, how is making and selling fiber art furthering the kingdom? Like, what 
you know, is that doing any good? Um, should I branch out? Um, and so I've really struggled with feeling like my mission should be more, um, I should be doing more or doing something different. Um, but I think really getting to know myself as a four and getting to know my motivations that the Enneagram has affirmed that, yeah, I'm a creative individualist who sometimes isolates and probably being a greeter on the first impressions team or quitting my business to go evangelize or be a missionary is not necessarily like the best use of my giftings. And I think that's great for some people, but it's just really easy to compare like, well, maybe I should be doing this or that. Um, (laughs) So anyway, um, I think that it's the Enneagram and understanding myself as a four has really helped me um, feel affirmed in the giftings and the natural skill sets and behaviors that, that God has given me and that I am serving the kingdom with those. Um, so very similar to what you said, just feeling, you know, like I'm, 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 I'm serving in the right spots and it's okay if I'm not doing X, Y, Z, like I can do these things and that's okay. I love that. There's, (laughs) there's like nothing that makes me as excited as whenever people are affirmed and flourishing you know, for God's kingdom, how he, how he created and called them to. It's just, it's beautiful. And whenever we know what that is and we can live into that, then that is good for God's mm-hmm. kingdom. And it's, and, it, and then you can also celebrate other people. Like, yeah. I mean, yeah. obviously I could never do anything that you guys are doing. And it makes me so grateful that God created y'all, you know? No, I really resonate with what you said, Kendra, because, you know, I'm, I'm not going to throw a block party in my yard for my neighbors. Mm -hmm. Um, Now, Josh (laughs) probably would, and I would help. But um, that, like, that would not be my natural inclination. And there have definitely been times where I felt like, like, I was not, I must not love them because I'm not going to do that, you know. Or, you know, I don't know everybody in my kids' school PTA. I just don't. And I never will. Um, And that doesn't mean that I don't, that I'm not on mission there. But I can have a smaller group of friends that I love well, that I pray mm-hmm. for and I care for. Um, man, I'll I'll go to coffee or get lunch with people like any day of the week. And um, I'll probably speak truth over your life, probably more than you. <laughs> I'll wait, try to wait till you ask. Um, mm. Because you shouldn't, don't ask a five if you aren't ready to hear <laughs> what they think. Um, they will tell you what they think and they'll tell it pretty directly. But my hope is that even if it's not, large scale, even if it's not to every person I ever come into contact with, that I can provide steadiness and grace and wisdom with the people that I do interact with. And we need it, really. I, I love it so much. I think that so often we think there's one way to mm-hmm. be disciple of Jesus, yeah. and that is not true. There's such beautiful diversity in the church and unified in our mission, and it's such a beautiful thing whenever we can live into it. So if you were to tell people who are listening, just one way to just, I'll start with you, Kendra, just love fours well. So if they're like, hey, I know someone who sounds just like that, even if they don't know they're an Enneagram four, how how can we just love them better? So I think fours just want to be appreciated for their sensitivity and for their deep feelings because a lot of times it can come off as a negative thing. And so just having people recognize that it can be good and then and then 
really just having people listen and try to empathize and understand. That's, I think that's like a really big desire mm-hmm. of, of being a four. So, yeah. That's helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, what about for fives? I, I think for fives, it's just tell them what you actually think, like be direct. Mm-hmm. Um, if you tell me you're fine, I'll probably be like, oh, good. I'm glad she's fine. Mm-hmm. You know, and um, I just I I don't think most fives like look beyond that necessarily. They they take things at face value. They're pretty straightforward, and so but they want to know. They 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 don't want to like there be this big issue that they don't know anything about. They hate that because they want information, right? Mm-hmm. They want knowledge. They feel more comfortable if they know what's going on. Um, that's why like don't don't plan surprises for them. Like it, it doesn't work. It's not going to get the what you want. I mean, I even if like when it happens, they know you were trying to be nice. How they actually feel is dumb and deceived, and they don't feel prepared, which is stressful. And so, so and then then on top of that, they feel guilty because they're not appreciating the surprise enough um, because they feel all these other feelings, mm-hmm. um, cause fives have feelings too, just so you know, they, they, <laughs> I know we're not fours, but they just express those feelings really differently, yeah. I think. Yeah. Um, and they, those feelings are, you know, different things help those feelings to be repaired and restored, I think. So but yes, be honest with fives. Be honest with fives. Yeah. Well, really, I, I love the fact that, um, we did fours and fives together. I wasn't sure how that was going to go. Um, but I think it's really helpful because there are similarities and differences like with everybody. And for me, it's just helpful to just listen and think through the people in my life who I can appreciate and love um, better. So thank you guys so much for your wisdom and honesty and for just being here today. It was fun. Thanks grateful for having for you. Us. Thank you guys so much for listening today. I hope this conversation was helpful. If you want to watch the video of this podcast or share it with a friend, you can find it at clearcreekresources.org, where you can also find articles, music, and a lot more. Again, I'm Rachel. Thanks so much for joining us today.